Mastermind Agent is proud to present the Interview of the Month Club. Top agents, rising agents, team members, and guests from across North America reveal their success secrets, strategies, and systems in up-close and personal interviews. You can find all the club interviews at www.mastermindagent.com. Hi, I'm Mike Cerrone with Mastermind Agent. This month's top agent is Don Winner with DLP Realty in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. Don specializes in radio advertising, first-time buyers, expired listings, short sales, and client referrals. Last year, he closed 394 transactions with a total sales volume of $81 million and grossed $2.7 million. His average sales price was $206,000, of which 39% were buyers and 61% were sellers. He operates a team with 31 members, 12 buyer agents, 6 listing agents, 2 inside sales agents, 2 transaction coordinators, 2 marketing coordinators, 2 marketing launch coordinators, 1 client care manager, 1 listing manager, 1 office manager, 1 runner, and 1 team leader. Don Winner is the team leader of DLP Realty. He has been an agent for six years. He works the Lehigh Valley market between New York City and Philadelphia. Don entered real estate at 21 and closed 67 transactions his first year. Today, he and his team are setting up to 120 listing appointments per month, listing 70 to 90 homes per month, and have 430 active listings all traditional sales, and all in a declining market. While his market has been falling 10% per year, Don's business has been growing 25% per year. Don invests heavily in radio advertising, 13000 per month. That investment is producing 15 closings per month at an average commission of $6,400. Radio sends him all over his area. He sells a wide range of homes, anywhere from 17000 to $1.8 million. You'll hear two of his current radio ads. Don is a true entrepreneur. He runs multiple businesses, including a real estate brokerage, a real estate technology company, a short-sell negotiation company, and a restaurant. Not bad for a young man who just turned 27 years old. First, a quick word from our sponsor, Real GTV, real estate agent lead generation television. Need more referrals? Get a free script and simple three-part plan used by a top agent to receive and close 74 referral transactions in one year. Just go to freereferralscript.com. That's freereferralscript.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome to the call, Don. Hey, thank you so much for having me. Before we get started talking about what you're doing today, let's go back for a minute and talk about what you were doing before you got into real estate. So great question. So I've been in real estate now since uh, the end of 2006, so uh, about five years, a little bit over five years now. So when I w- right before I got into real estate, actually, as I was getting into real estate, I was still finishing my college degree. But while, while I was in college, I uh, ran a ADT security uh, dealership, which I happen to still own today, uh, became the number one sales rep in the country for ADT, 
And uh, the guy who happened to own that company at the time was also a successful real estate agent. When I started seeing those uh, $7,000, $10,000, $15,000 commission checks coming across his his desk, it, uh, it it opened up my eyes and at 20 years old decided, hey, I need to get my real estate license and and get my hands in this. Right out of school, you went right into the real estate business. Yeah, I mean, while I was in college, I, I did some things. I worked at, I did a lot of my classes online, and, and I worked at Merrill Lynch and was a financial analyst for a while. I worked at one of the big four accounting firms and did a couple other things to get experience early on. But yeah, I got into real estate at, at I think it was just the end of 20, early, maybe I just turned 21, and uh, jumped right into the business. What did you get your degree in? Finance and marketing. When you got started, did you have a fast start or a slow start? I happened to have a pretty fast start. I, I had the advantage of, you know, working with uh, this agent by the name of Nathan who, who brought me into the business. So before I even had my license, I went out to a uh, Craig Proctor real estate conference while I was, you know, taking my classes and uh, understood the concept of, you know, unique selling propositions and started really grasping the concepts of marketing. So my first year in real estate, I had 67 transactions for, for about $13 million. So pretty fast start. I mean, the first couple of months, it felt like a deal. I would never have a deal. But once I had picked up some momentum, it, uh, it never stopped. How long have you been in the business? I guess this would be the sixth year now. I'm 27. You're 27 years old. Yep. That's phenomenal. How many homes did you sell in the last year? We're just now just closed a little bit over 400 homes now in the past 12 months. And we're on pace this year. Um, our goal this year is, is, is 550. And it looks like we should hit 600 transactions this year. I heard a rumor that you're setting up to 120 listing appointments per month. Is that true? Yeah, it is. Yeah, we've, we've hit uh, at least 117 appointments uh, each of the last three months. And uh, we, we've hit over 120 now last two months. So, yeah, we built a pretty strong system. As you said in the beginning, we're now bringing in about nearly two-thirds of our business is, is seller side. We, we really built out our, our listings out of our business to be pretty strong. And I have, you know, I still take some listings, and I have seven full-time listing agents who, who take listings. I have an inside sales uh, agent who, who just sets the listing appointments, pre-qualifies people. And then we have three girls who go out and do the pictures, the paperwork, and, and sort of follow up behind the agents. We have a listing manager, client care, and I'm sure we'll go into that in more detail later. But we have a really, really deep system built on, on the listing side that allows us to, to be able to take you know, 70, 80, 90 listings a month. We're carrying right now 430 active listings. Are these listings, are these REO listings, or are these retail listings? All retail, yeah. We don't have any REO accounts. I, I went down that path for a very short period of time, took some REO listings, and to me, it wasn't worth the, the aggravation for the money. Didn't like the, the fact that the banks had control of my business. So we've stayed away from REO, and uh, it's 100% retail-driven. Don, we're going to come back to a lot of those details. Right now, let's get a big picture of your market. Can you tell me where is Bethlehem, Pennsylvania located? Yeah, Bethlehem, Pennsylvania is a pretty pretty unique location in that we're about an hour and a half from uh, New York City, and we're about an hour from Philadelphia. So we're sort of centrally located between the two. The market hasn't been hit as bad as a lot of other places, but we've come down about 30 35% from our peak. If you were to look out at the market right now, are most of the sales retail sales? Or are they REO and short sale? We're at about 15% REO and about somewhere between 15 to 20% on short sales right now as a market whole. For our business with my team, we're at about uh, 25 to 30% short sales. In your market, do you see the values 
flattening out? Are they going up, going down? What's happening with the values? Well, I'm hopeful that, that the slowdown is slowing down, but we're definitely still on the decline. Um, last year, we came down by about 9%. The year before, we came down about 10%. So I'm anticipating somewhere between 6 to 8% decline in values uh, this year. That's fantastic. The reason I said that's fantastic is that you're able to do retail business in a declining market. Most people struggle with that, but you've been able to make that work. Yes, and that's what makes it, uh, makes it a little bit more challenging and makes it more rewarding as well is that yeah, we've been able to see pretty big increases in growth in our business while you know, our market is declining in prices, but even more importantly, you know, the number of sales have, have dropped pretty, pretty dramatically. We went from 8,000 sales in a year down to about 3,400 sales in a year. So our number of sales dropped by about 60%, and the agent count only dropped by about 7%. So most of the agents have sort of hung along in my market, but they're all, all of them are pretty much struggling. There's no other agents in my market who are doing more than 50 or 60 transactions in a year. And yet you've been able to increase your volume each year. Yeah, we have. We, we've increased by a minimum of, about, of 25%. That's been our worst year so far. But typically about an average year is about a 33% increase from the year before. Why do you think that you're moving up while the rest of the market and most of the agents are moving down in volume? Well, I think one of, the, one of the things is that, you know, in a way, you could look back and say, man, it would have been nice if I would have been in the business in, you know, 03, 04, 05, 06, and had been able to take advantage of, you know, the great market when, you were, when we were all basically order takers, and, you know, everything sold itself, and we were, you know, people were writing uh, offers on the top of their cars, and it was just a mad rush, to, and everything was selling above asking price. That, yeah, that was a great market, but I think what happened is a lot of the agents in my market and, and all over the country sort of got spoiled with it and sort of just fell into the, the approach of, well, you know, I, I take a listing and I put it in the MLS and, you know, it's just going to sell itself. And I think most agents haven't been able to adjust and haven't, haven't adjusted to today's technology, haven't adjusted to, you know, the, the, the ways that buyers are looking at houses and, and haven't really understood that, you know, with sales declining and prices declining, you need to have ways to stand out from the crowd and you have to have to do as much different as everybody else as, as possible to have success. And, you know, most people I think have been beat down and run down by the market and just aren't taking that aggressive uh, effort to, to, to fight against it and, and to improve. Have you taken on a niche or a specialization in the market? I guess you could say we have a few specializations, but overall we we're sort of we sort of do it all. You know, we, we cover sale prices. I think our lowest sale in the last year or so is, was 17000 bucks, and my highest sale was around $1.8 million. So, you know, and everything in between. So, you know, a lot of our marketing, as I'm sure we're going to talk about, you know, is sort of a blast approach in that, you know, you have to be able to, to cover everything. And as the market's changed, we wanted to be able to service everybody and not, you know, not leave any money and any opportunities on the table. So, you know, I got in the business, one of my first transactions was a short sale. At the time, nobody knew what a short sale was. I didn't really know what it was. I just figured, hey, this lady owes more than her house is worth, and she's facing foreclosure, and there's got to be something I can do. You know, so we, we very much, uh, you know, accepted short sales when most agents didn't want anything to do with them. So short sales have become a big part of what we do. It's about a, about a third of our sales, and, you know, we, we actually now have a, an entire short sale negotiating firm and are doing short sales for other people around the country as well, and it's something we've really embraced. But we cover, you know, first-time home buyers. We work with a lot of people, you know, downsizing right now and, you know, everything in between. Trying to get a picture of your market again, what's the population in your area? 
Good question. Uh, and I guess something we should address here early on is that my main market is considered the Lehigh Valley, and that's the Bethlehem area, which is two counties, which can, covers Allentown. Some people might know where Allentown is. Um, and, you know, it's a, it's a po population of around five to 600,000 people. Um, but I actually also cover uh, New, New Jersey as well. So we do quite a bit of sales in, in New Jersey, which Pennsylvania borders New Jersey, but we go about as far as an hour, 15 hour, 20 minutes from our Bethlehem office in New Jersey. And then I actually just in the last six months or so have put an additional office in a market called Bucks County, which some people might be familiar with, which is sort of the suburbs of Philadelphia. So we cover that area as well, kind of in between our market and Philadelphia. And I actually also have an office in, uh, in Tampa, Florida as well. Which we've been, which we've been growing as well, and sort of duplicating our processes that we've done in, in Bethlehem into these other places, and sort of having the advantage of running everything from one, from an administrative and a system perspective, from one main headquarters. So, some of these 400 cells that you've had are in Florida. Very few. In Florida, we've had, you know, in the last year, we've probably had, out of just my team sales, probably around 40 transactions, which are not included in those 400 numbers, though. We, I, I include found that to be to be separate. I only include my what I call my Northeast sales, Pennsylvania, New Jersey sales in my numbers. We, we're doing about another three to four transactions a month in Florida, which I'm not including in those numbers. You started to break out the different types of targets that you go after in your marketing. Let's walk back through that list. What are the top three or five sources of business for you? One of our, our biggest sources of business is radio marketing. I'm endorsed on the radio by uh, some, some big personalities uh, nationwide and then big personalities in my market. So I'm endorsed by Glenn Beck and Sean Hannity. I'm endorsed by our local talk radio personality, our big hit station by the, the morning host on that station, and then on our local country station as well. So every single day these personalities are, are giving a 60-second endorsement of me multiple times a day. And I also have my own radio show as well on our on our local uh, talk radio station. So radio is pretty powerful for us. It brings us in about a third of our overall business. And it really helps to brand us and enhances all the rest of the marketing we do as well. So that's, that's probably our biggest source of business. Next two sources of business are, are, are pretty, pretty close. Probably second would be our Internet business. So we, we have a system called Prodigy Solutions, which is a, a technology and lead generation system that generates our leads, and then it, it manages the leads to the point of, of you know, going out and working with our agents all the way to closing. So we're bringing about a thir third of our business, a little bit under a third of our business through, the, through that system, and then another 15 to 20% of our business comes from uh, expireds. So we do have a, a very uh, detailed mailing program that we do to go after expired listings. And uh, we, we pull quite a bit over of our listing side business. It's about a third of our business. And then uh, after those three sources, those are really our three big ones as far as, as far as marketing goes. Outside of marketing, we are bringing in now close to a third of our overall business is coming from either referral or repeat business. And then, you know, somewhere between, somewhere around 10 to 15% of our business comes from, you know, so what I'd call the rest of the sources. So, sign calls and hotlines and, you know, just a little bit of everything else. Um, you know, just kind of all, all the other little marketing efforts we do. Don, let's break into each of those. Let's start with radio. That sounds like that's a big source of business for you. And I think when most agents hear that, they get a little nervous. It sounds like a huge project. How did you break into radio initially? What did you do to get started there? Yeah, great question. 
you know, I work with a gentleman named Matt Wagner. Um, he runs a company called Rate, which is real estate and television experts. And he works with top real estate agents around the country handling their, their radio marketing. So he, he came to me. Well, actually, I met him at, at a, a mastermind event a few years ago and uh, you know, ran into a couple of agents who were having some success with radio. So about four years ago, he came to me and said, hey, you know, I, I can get, you know, I'd like to have you meet Glenn Beck and, uh, you know, see about doing, you know, have him endorse you in your market. So I, did, I went out and met Glenn Beck out in New York City and uh, spent, a, spent an afternoon with him and got him to be willing to endorse me. So started running ads every day, two or three ads a day on my talk radio station with Glenn Beck talking about, you know, why they need to, you know, why you need to sell and, and buy and work with us if, if you're, if you're, you know, making a move in, in my market. Started doing really well with it. So um, it's pretty expensive. I mean, you know, it's, it's definitely not the first thing you do. You have to already be established within your market. You have to already be a successful agent, A, financially, and B, just because every, it doesn't all work effectively if, if you don't already have some branding and, and some of a name recognition. So it sort of enhances everything. But you have to already have your business in place to take on radio. So I started working with, with Glenn Beck, and you know, I was running about three grand a month just for his endorsement and running those spots with him, and it went really well. So next logical move was in my market, the local morning uh, radio guy was a bigger personality and had better ratings than Glenn Beck does. So I said, all right, I'm going to have him endorse me as well. So I uh, added him on. Then I went to the local country station um, because they, had, they were one of the biggest listenerships as well, added them on. Next move, I added Sean Hannity. And then about a year ago, I added uh, our local hit station as well. So it's, it's a strategic move because, you know, like anything, it's a certain amount of time before you get a return on your, your investment. So, you know, you're going to put out quite a bit of money over a three- to six-month time frame with radio before you ever, you know, have any transactions that close from it. So it's sort of a step-by-step process, but we, we went through it logically and, and as to have steadily added to it and really, really focus in on monitoring our return on investment on on all of our, our radio marketing and, and thus far we haven't we haven't done any none of our, our endorsements and, and ads we've added ha, have have not been effective they've all brought us a pretty darn good return on investment and uh, has really helped us across the board in our branding and our market. Are you receiving the endorsements from the local celebrities as part of your commitment to advertise on these radio stations or are you paying these celebrities a separate fee? You mentioned that with Glenn Beck. Are you doing that with all of them? Yeah, good question. Any radio marketing, for anybody who's not unfamiliar, it's, there's two components to it. There's Number one is the, the actual endorsement themselves. So whether it's a local personality or you know a, a big celebrity like Glenn Beck, you're going to have usually a monthly endorsement fee that you're going to pay to that personality. And then the second component of it is the airtime. So you know they, that, that obviously depends. Every station is a little bit different. I've seen anywhere from $50 to $200 per 60 seconds on air just for the spot alone. You know, they're two separate expenses, but they, they obviously go hand in hand. How often do you try to put an ad on the radio? Are you shooting for a certain frequency? On the country station and the uh, local hit station, it's just once a day. So during, I, I, we time it during the morning drive, which is the highest listenership of the day. Um, so both, both of the stations, once a day, uh, my ad comes on during the morning drive. On the talk radio station, I have my ad run about seven times a day, each day between the three the three big personalities. So my local guy talks about me once a day, and then I have Glenn Beck and Sean Hannity each three times a day talking about us on air. When you say that you have these personalities talking about you, is this a pre-recorded message 
Is this something they're doing live? Is your voice part of it? What exactly is happening? So we do it a few different ways. With the big personalities like Glenn Beck and Sean Hannity, you know, I have them record a spot, you know, once every month or so. So I build out what I want them to say, and then uh, they go in and record that spot. It plays like it's live, uh, meaning I always make sure that my spots come in first at the break so that, you know, if Glenn Beck's on air and you're listening to Glenn Beck for, for a few hours or for an hour, if my ad comes on right away. So it sounds like, you know, it's live. It doesn't come in the middle of commercials. For the local, all three of my local personalities, we mix it up. So some of the spots, they just do them live. So they'll go on air and they have certain bullet points they go off of and they just talk about me live on air. And then some of the spots, I go into the stations with those personalities and we, you know, we, we get on air and we, you know, record three or five or six different commercials together that, again, we play first in at the break so that they sound as live as possible, but they are, you know, are pre-recorded. Let's listen to a few of the ads. About uh, Don Wenner. Don Wenner of DLP Realty. Dream, live, prosper. That's what uh, uh, DLP uh, stands for. What uh, Don, Don stands for is getting your house sold. And he guarantees to sell your house or he'll buy it. So here, here's the deal. There are about 1,800 real estate agents in, in the Valley. 60% haven't sold a single home as of uh, March 15th. Don's already sold over 100 and his business is up 110%. He takes marketing serious is one thing. And one of the things they do, because most buyers now start their search online, and they have all these marketing tools exclusive to him that help attract buyers, tons of buyers, to his websites. He's on all kinds of websites, but it isn't just that. He's got all the search engines to get your house to pop up and to pop out. Uh, so if you want to get your house sold, get with the guy who's using today's media, Facebook, Twitter, all that kind of stuff to get your house sold, online, etc. And he guarantees to sell your house or he'll buy it. And if you don't like him, you can fire him so there's no risk. DonWenner.com, W-E-N-N-E-R, DonWenner.com, or 484-366-1213. Have you noticed in your community, as we get a little bit later into uh, into the year, you know, a couple weeks now into spring, more and more for sale signs in front of homes in your area? Let's say you're trying to sell your home. You don't want to just be a part of the inventory. You want to get your home sold. 60% of homes in the Lehigh Valley are not selling. So how can you avoid being in that 60% category? One realtor solves that problem. It takes the stress out of your selling your home. That's Don Wenner of DLP Realty. Don makes it easy. Ask him about the guarantee sales program. You sit down with Don, you determine a price and a deadline that you want to sell your home. And if he can't sell it, then Don buys it. And even better, working with Don is risk-free. If you're not happy, you can fire him and pay nothing. Hey there, it's Steph Wells from Mike and Steph in the Morning on B104. Take my word for it. Give him a call right now. Don Wenner, 484-366-1213. That's 484-366-1213. Or go to DonWenner.com and get that house sold. It sounds like you are writing the scripts. Is that correct? Are you the one writing everything out? Yeah, I work with Matt Wagner, the, the gentleman from, from Rate that I mentioned before. Him and I write the scripts together, and uh, you know he gives a lot of input on that and helps with the, with the scripts a lot. Typically, you know, he'll send me over some scripts, and then I look at them, take the ones I like, edit them up to, to what fits me, and, 
and use them. And then, you know, a good percentage of them I just go ahead and write myself based upon what, what I'd like, what I want to talk about, what I find is relevant. You know, a big thing in all of our marketing, which I'm sure we'll dive into, is our guaranteed sale program. So that's a big component of all of our marketing is is talking about on air that, you know, if we don't sell a property, we're going to buy it and that we guarantee the sale of someone's home. So that's that's what the biggest reoccurring theme in our marketing. But, you know, we'll talk about some of our success stories. We'll talk about our marketing programs, another big thing we talk about. We talk about some of the unique programs and, and ways we go about selling real estate and other other various stories and, and, and things that will relate to to our listeners. But the biggest recurring theme is that, you know, hey, if we can't sell sell a property, you know, we'll buy it. And that's your guaranteed sale program. Correct. We're gonna break that down a little bit later into the details. You've got these two different types of radio. You've got talk radio and you've got music radio. I've heard in the past that talk radio is the best place to advertise. Have you found a difference? It all depends. Every market's a little bit different, but yeah, the reason talk radio is often the the strongest is because people, when they you know, when you're listening to the example, the hit station, you know, a lot of people you you listen to the song, and when the commercials come on, you flip off, and the the listenership is very short. On talk radio, the average listenership is over an hour. So my market's like an hour and six minutes that somebody stays tuned to that station without switching off. So you have a much better chance that the people a are going to stay on and hear your ad. But B again with talk with talk radio you're listening, and you're you're paying attention with with the the music stations. A lot of times it's just sort of on in the background. You're not actually listening and and paying that much attention. So that's why talk radio is so effective, and that's why country is is is, is we found to be the most effective as far as music goes, because again in my market there's only one country station. So people who like country music or typically leave that station on all day long or, you know, the whole time they're at work or whatever their, their radio time is that they're going to be listening. And they tend to engage more as well so that you get a better chance, a better opportunity for them to, to hear you and hear you over and over again, which is you need that repetition for radio ads to be effective. Typically by, by stats, the big hit stations and, you know, the, the popular pop stations have are, are sort of the worst as far as people switching off. But, we added in my hit station because it, it, it blows everybody, all the other stations out by such a large margin in my market by listenership that, you know, we got to the point where we said it's worth giving it an opportunity and trying it out. And, and thus far, it's been uh, it's still been phenomenal just because the listenership is so high and because we're so branded already in our market that it just it just helps us get, get that extra, extra bit of exposure that, that's been well worth the, the uh, investment for us. Since the talk radio has more engagement in it, are you paying a higher rate to be on the talk radio? Every market's different, but in our market, the hit station is is the the most expensive by a spot. But they're all they're all pretty darn close. I mean, I think all of my ads run, you know, within ten or fifteen dollars per ad as a differentiator. Tracking. How do you track and make sure that you're receiving business from the radio? Great question. Yeah, it's, it's difficult. We certainly on all of our all of my different endorsements, we use different tracking phone numbers and that we that we use as our phone number and we, we mention a different tracking domain address so that we're as much as possible sending them to a specific domain, a specific phone number that we can track back. But what often happens is two things. One is that people, you know, they, they don't catch the phone number or the domain name or, you know, they just go on to Google and they type my name in or type my company in and they just end up you know, on, on a, one of our other sites or calling into our office or, you know, calling a different number. So, you know, when they do that, obviously, anytime we you know, have a full-time inside salesperson on the listing side and on the buyer side, and on the listing side, you know, 
all the radio calls and all the listing calls go to him. And, you know, he goes through a scripting of asking them, you know, where they found us. The problem is that, A, sometimes people forget where they found us, you know, or, or they say, hey, I hear you on the radio, but I can't remember what station it was. Or the bigger problem we run into, which is a really good problem to have, but a problem nonetheless is that when people call us and we say, how would you find us? They say, well, you sold the home down the street. My brother says I should hire you. I hear you on the radio every day, and I got your letters in the mail. So, you know, when they when they tell you they, they found you three or four or five different ways, you know, we, we certainly go through scripting and, and go through a process to try to pinpoint what really pushed them to call us. But sometimes it, it is multiple things, and, you know, you don't know which one of those items, if one was missing, would you still uh, receive the lead and, and, and the business? You know, it becomes a little bit complex, but it's a good problem to have. Currently, what is your total budget on radio? Total budget on radio, um, we're running, just do a quick math on it, running about $13,000 a month. So you started at about 3000 a month, and you've worked your way up to thirteen. Yeah, exactly. Went from, from three to thirteen grand over the last you know, three or four years. It's obviously working. It absolutely is, yeah. I mean, you know, we're looking at bringing in, you know, around 15 closings a month um, from radio. So, you know, our market, my average commission is about $6,400. So, you know, you can do the math there pretty easy. It's, uh, it's, it's a good, good positive return on investment. You mentioned Matt Wagner with Rate. How does Matt get compensated? Do you pay him a flat fee? No, you don't have to pay him anything. The radio stations will pay, will pay for, you know, an agency, for an ad agency. They get paid directly from the radio station. That, you know, you're going to pay that same rate whether you go to them directly or whether he does it for you. He's just getting a percentage of all the ads you place. Correct. And so it's in his interest to make sure it goes well and you're able to expand your budget. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, he's phenomenal. Is there anything else you think that we ought to know about radio advertising if someone were trying to get into it or they were trying to expand a current program? Yeah, I'm not here to, to give uh, <laughs> to keep plugging Matt Wagner, but if we're talking about radio, I have to have to talk about him because you know the best thing I can tell you is you know if it's something they're thinking about expanding or getting into, is to talk to Matt. I mean he, he's he's just great. He works with somewhere around 100, 110 top agents around the country. He knows his stuff. He'll go and do the research and determine if radio makes sense in your market. Some markets it doesn't make sense. It doesn't work everywhere. You know, there's certain markets where, you know, all the radio stations come out of a, of a bigger metro. As an example, in North New Jersey, where I do some business, it's very hard to run radio there because all the radio stations come out of Manhattan. And unless you're able to cover Manhattan, it really doesn't work effectively. But he'll do that research, figure out which stations work well, figure out all the pricing, and it help you help you determine if it makes sense. Let's move on to the internet business and your lead generation system over there. Tell us about how you're generating leads from the internet. We do it via two two main systems. Our first one is what we call Prodigy Solutions. It's actually I feel like now after talking about Wagner that I'm plugging things, but it's actually a, a technology and a company that, that I own with a partner, Curtis Johnson. And we've used all the the big technologies out there and. And there's a lot of good ones out there, but we never found one that really could do all the things that, that we wanted and, and needed to be able to do as far as generating leads and then even more importantly, converting leads. So we've, we spent well over a year of our, of our lives building out this, this system. And what it does is it allows us to capture leads at a very high level. So we generate leads at, at the lowest you know, price based because we're, we're experts at, at pay-per-click marketing and knowing how to drive traffic at the lowest cost. But then once we, we drive the traffic, you know, our sites converting, a lot of our sites around the country are converting 
well over 20% of the people who come onto the site uh, submit their information as a lead. So that's a big thing to look at in any online marketing is it's great to drive traffic, but are, are you getting leads out of it? And you know we've seen traditional websites average you know one percent. We've seen that the biggest, the biggest you know top sites out there typically anywhere from eight to ten percent. So we really wanted to, to hone in on that because obviously you know if we can double or increase by fifty percent the number of leads you get per person who hits the site, that's going to bring you a lot more leads. And and then you know we wanted to make sure right, well, once we get the lead, are, are we engaging the lead effectively and 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 fast enough and so forth to convert them at a high level. So. We've seen teams across the country and, and pretty good agents convert le online leads at half a percent or, or, or one percent, you know, of the leads converting to closing. And you know, using the right technology, the right scripts, the right system, you know, we've been able to get our conversion of, of online buyer leads to, to close to four percent, which you know sounds still low and sounds small, but you know, the difference between four percent and one percent is four times the closings based on the number of leads. And when you're generating you know, 600, 700, 800 buyer leads a month, you know, that's a big difference in, in, uh, in return on investment. So that's our, our buyer side. And on the listing side, we do a lot of very targeted lead generation to generate motivated seller leads online as well. And we have a pretty complex system we do to go after sellers who are, who are looking to sell their home very quickly and, and who, are, who are highly motivated. And um, that's, uh, that's our second. Tied, I'd say it's pretty, it's pretty darn close. It changes month to month, but it's, it's pretty darn close in, in, in line with our expired program as our, our second biggest uh, listing lead generation uh, system um, after radio. Let's talk about your buyer side internet lead generation. You've mentioned a couple things. First of all, you talked about this pay-per-click and cost to generate a lead. Do you know how much it's costing you to generate a lead? Yeah, every market's different. Um, and you know, like I said, you know, I do this. We do this in you know my market in Lehigh Valley, and in, in my Florida market, we do it for Curtis has has offices in, in Arizona and California. And then we have some clients all over the country, so it, it varies, um, but it can be anywhere. We, we've gotten it to anywhere from you know seven to twelve dollars a lead. You're hitting four percent, so it's basically about twenty five times that would be your total cost per closing, which is pretty low. What are we looking at there? Twenty-five times twelve. We're looking at like about three hundred dollars per closing. Does that sound about right? Yeah, it does. So that's actually pretty cheap. A lot of times it's a little bit lower, but yeah. Yeah, that's not bad at all, especially if you said your average commission is sixty-four hundred. Yep. Yeah. The, I mean, as far as a return on investment goes, obviously there's more work in. In we're not going to, you know, I'm not going to try to sugarcoat it, but. Yeah, there's not. There's, there's definitely more work that goes into, it, and it's a longer process working, you know, an online buyer lead than, than you know, uh, you know, somebody's calling you to list their home today or a signed call on a house. You know, it's a little bit of a longer cycle, but yeah, the return on investment on, on online buyer leads is, is better than anything else. I mean, yeah, typically our marketing budget's in that five or six percent range for 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 you know our marketing uh, dollars spent for for closing, which is is absolutely phenomenal. I mean, on radio, you know, we're often at, you know, 15 to 20%. They're very high quality leads, but, you know, it's, it's, it's a much uh, lower return on investment. Not that it's still not a great return, but it, it's a big difference between 15 and, and 5. Give us some of the pointers for how that works so well for you in your program. Start from the beginning. You're advertising where and what are they clicking on and how are they coming in this to your website and what's there when they get there? You know, give us some of those little pointers 
uh, from the start to end. If somebody were going to, I know they'd be crazy to, but if somebody were going to try to build it themselves, what kind of things would they be trying to think about? Sure. Yeah, and I guess while people are listening, I'll go ahead and just throw out two websites so you can kind of see what I'm talking about. But, you know, just to give you my website is, is search the Lehigh Valley, L-E-H-I-G-H Valley, V-A-L-L-Y.com, search the Lehigh Valley.com. And you can check out Curtis's is CurtisJohnson.com, I believe. So if you go and look at the site, you'll kind of see a little bit of what I'm uh, about to explain. But so, you know, step one is obviously driving traffic to the site. So we do that through a few ways. Number one is, is pay-per-click marketing. So pay-per-click marketing, we, we focus in a lot of what we call long-tail keywords, which essentially means on top of targeting the big search words. So, like, if you're in Dallas, Texas, instead of typing in, you know, obviously, you know, it's very easy to say, all right, we'll search for homes in Dallas, Texas, you know, homes for sale in Dallas, Texas. But th- those are usually very highly competitive words. You're usually spending a lot more money per click than if you t- than if you had a search term. You know, maybe there's a little neighborhood or a town within Dallas. An example, a town in my area is called McCungee. So if I did search for townhomes in McCungee, Pennsylvania, under $200,000 as a keyword, th- there's not going to be many other people competing for that keyword. So obviously there will be less people typing that into a search browser than search for Lehigh Valley Real Estate but when I get those clicks, I get them at a much lower price. So we, we really focus in on that. In my market, we have somewhere in the neighborhood of 56,000 keywords that we use for pay-per-click marketing. So, so we want to really narrow down that, that cost. Then once we, we drive the traffic to the site, you want to be able to obviously get, capture their information, which is the name of the game. It means nothing if they come to your site and you don't, you don't get in touch with them. So we found that buyers, when they're searching for homes, they really want to see pictures. They really want to see, want to be user-friendly, want to be attractive, and they, they want pictures and details. So our site is very big pictures, very easy to navigate, very attractive. So when they click on a house, it pulls up a very big detailed page, which gives them all the data they want. We want them to stay on the page. So we haven't made them register yet. We don't make, ask for any information yet. We're letting them look at the, the house so they can scroll through tons of pictures. The pictures come really big. They're easy to navigate. We made sure we put all the different maps on there because we found people tell us, hey, I really like Trulia because it has this certain map. Or I really like this site because it has this function. So we want to make sure we encompass everything that, that buyers are looking for, really taking that mindset. If I was a buyer, what would I want to be able to see and do? And then we've, we've built in things that keep them on the site. So we want them to, obviously, looking at one home is great, but if I can get them staying on the site, and looking at more homes, I'm going to have a better chance of success. So um, we built in similar homes. So like if they're looking at a specific home, they can look at similar homes, which is an algorithm built to find other homes that are similar to that home based on look and area and so forth. Then we have other homes in the neighborhood. It pulls up all those homes, pulls up homes that are similar to that home with price reductions, the new homes that have hit the market, the short sales and the foreclosures, all the key buttons that get people's attention. So once they go and they click on another home, which almost all the buyers will do, now we ask them to register. And we have it set up very very effectively to step them through investing their time to, to register without pushing them too much that they're going to come off the site. So anybody can obviously go and play with on there, see what I'm talking about, but we want to get them to, to get as much information as we can but not get them to, to leave the site. So by doing it, uh, a very strategic approach, like you said, we're, we're, we're typically somewhere in the neighborhood of 20% of the people who hit our site submit their information, and of those people, we capture the phone numbers over 80% of the time. 
a lot of the sites you get their email address, but you don't get their phone number, which is still good. We convert, we certainly convert a lot of leads without phone numbers to closings over time. But if we can get the phone number, it obviously makes it easier to follow up. So, you know, that's all the first stage of just getting lead. Once you get the lead, now what? You getting the lead is one component. That's what you do with it after that point. So, you know, we have a system built to to keep them engaged with the site, to send them listing alerts. To, to, to engage them through through drip campaigns and drip emails, um, and then most importantly, the system set up very user friendly for my agents to be able to communicate with the leads, to be able to see every home that the buyer is searching for, what their average sale price is. They see every time that the buyer comes on the website, how long they look at the website, which homes they save, what their search criteria are, everything. And the agent's able to communicate them both via email and phone very, very easy with really just a click of a button, which gets my agents to engage. And we make sure that the agents, we set it up like a round-robin effect, that the agents have to jump on the leads immediately when they come in. So we're getting very, very fast response, which is very important. If you get a hold of a lead in the first 15 minutes, if you call a lead in the first 15 minutes, you'll get a hold of them over 93% of the time. If After an hour, it goes down to under 15%. So it's very important that you get a hold of those leads right away. More than, than generating leads, the, the, the reason we have success is because we follow the right scripts and the right processes with our agents to, to guide these leads through the progression of being a cold lead to, to talking with us, to meeting us in our office, to showing homes with us, to writing contracts, to closing. And our system is set up to track those progressions through that process so that my agent can see the progress they're making with the lead in guiding that lead all the way to closing. And that, that's really the most important part of it. You can have hundreds of leads, which I've seen many people have, and have no closings if you don't follow up on them effectively. It's much much more important to have, to have great follow-up systems than to have a lot of leads. When you're gathering the information from the buyer initially, what information are you trying to collect? Well, the first thing we look to get is obviously their name, which is the you know, easiest thing to, to get as far as you know, getting the name rather than their contact information. They give us their name. Then we have them set up their login and their email address. So we want to get their email address next before we ever ask them for a phone number, before they even know we're going to ask for a phone number. Then a really smart thing we did is we set up that their password, when they go to type in their password, it pops up that they can only enter digits and they can only enter a phone number in for their password. So what it does is it gets them to give us their phone number because we're giving them a reason to. Rather than saying, hey, we want your phone number because we're going to bother you, we're saying, hey, you, we, your password is going to be your 10-digit phone number. So we're giving them a reason to, to, to give that phone number. And because now they've all, before they even know they're going to have to submit that phone number, they've already invested into giving their name, their email address. It, it's, they have a much higher probability that they're going to submit that, that phone number at this point rather than asking for it early on or, or them knowing you're going to ask early on. So that, that when this little page pops up, now that's all we ask them for. And they say, you know, get access now. So after now they've invested that, given us all their contact information, a second form pops up. That, that asks them three questions and it automatically assumes yes, but asks them if they have a home to sell and if they'd like you know, assistance with it. Find out if they're a potential seller lead as well. Ask them if they'd like to be kept up to date on financing from the most liberal loan department in the entire state. So obviously trying to capture them to get approved and get qualified. We're just trying to gather up, obviously, A, get their contact information, and then B, try to get them qualified and, and find out if they're a seller as well so that we're working outside of the, the uh, process at the same time. Sounds like the key is that you're stepping them a little by little into it. You're just doing little steps by little steps. So initially the first screen was just their name and email address, and then they went to a second screen to be asked for their password, which is their phone number. Is that what's happening? 
Uh, well, the first screen asks them for their name. And remember, they, they, we don't ask for any contact information today, until they're looking at their second house, since so they're already engaged and interested in the website and have already you know, been looking around and, and are tied into the site. Um, then it asks their name, all in the same form. First they put their name in, then they put their email address in, and then once they go to put their pa set their own password, it tells them that set their password has to be a, you know, the 10 digit phone number. So now they have a reason to submit their phone number, and they're already invested into, into submitting their information. So they say, all right, fine. So obviously, you know, you get a certain percentage who just throw a bogus phone number in there, but uh, the vast majority we get real phone numbers each and every time. And you know, they're not going to put a bogus number in most times because then they won't remember it. So they, if it's going to be your password, you need it to be a real phone number. So it's pretty, pretty, uh, pretty unique, but it, it works really effective. That is fantastic to use the phone number as the password. I assume that you had tested, before you came up with that idea, you had just asked for the phone number outright at the beginning. What percent would you get at that point? Yeah, I mean, we, we've tested a lot of different ways. And, you know, the way most of the, 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 the big companies out there do it is that way. So they, a form pops up and says, hey, you know, give me your name, give me your, your email address. And then some of them require phone numbers right away, and some of them make the phone number optional. And what we found is that what, what, what happens is if you, they, that most of the sites that require the phone number, their number of leads they get per dollar goes down dramatically because a lot of times then the people just you know go off the website. And then when they don't require the phone number, what happens is they, don't, they only capture the phone number 10 to 20% of the time. So we, we really wanted to be able to solve that problem of A, not losing the leads from the site, but B, capturing the phone number a much higher percentage than you know, 10 to 20% and it's been working uh, really effectively. So it's, it's the best solution we found to, uh, to not losing the leads but still getting all the information. And it sounds like that the best way to follow up with all these leads is not by email but by a phone call. Yeah, I mean, email is a big part of it. You know, with an online lead, you have to remember that they're not always ready today. The average cycle for an online lead is 181 days for that lead to go to a closing. Now, there will be a certain percentage who are hot and ready to go. You, you know, you'll buy a house within 45, 60 days, but the, the, the average works out to be 181 days. So, you know, the approach for the leads is a little bit different with an online buyer lead than, than some other sources. And then you have to be coming from a, uh, almost a customer service perspective of, of being there to help them and guide them and, and assist them in those early stages until they're at the point of being ready. So email does play a big part of it, and we have a lot of leads that, you know, we, we might not, especially more and more anymore, you know, you don't get a hold of them ever on the phone, but... We communicate with them automatically and, and through the agent communicating with them on, on the site and to the point where they say, hey, I want to see this house. And we've never talked to the person on the phone. We've never really communicated much. And now we're going out and looking at a home and, and often writing an offer very, very quickly. So email is a big part of it. But the, the more often you get the phone number, the higher percentage you're going to capture the, the leads that are hot and ready to go now rather than somebody else getting a hold of them. They say somewhere around 80, it's over 80% of buyers still buy a home with the first agent they actually either meet in person or talk to on the phone. So if you can get, you know, actually communicate with them on the phone, you have, you know, four out of five chance that they're going to buy a house with you. You know, a lot of buyers have five, six, seven, eight people sending them listings that they've never really talked to or communicated with or, or built a rapport with and, you know, who, who are never going never gonna to get business from that buyer. You're trying to get your people to contact that buyer within the first 15 minutes if possible Let's say you don't for some reason. When is the next phone follow-up? If they don't reach them right away? Right. So you're saying that the agent just wasn't available and they couldn't get a hold of them very quickly? 
nobody answered the phone, they couldn't get through. When did they try again? Well, they have a phone number for a lead, and they, until they reach that lead, they call three times a day until they get a hold of the lead. And we actually recommend, you know, you call call the first time, you don't leave a message, call back a second, you know, one, one possible, you call the first time, don't leave a message, call the second time from a different phone number, and then uh, and usually leave a message, and the third time you call again from, you know, your cell phone or your original number and, and leave a message that time. So you try all angles. You hit them from different phone numbers, and you hit them, sometimes you leave a message, sometimes you don't. Some people will call back if there's not a message, and some people, you know, will only call back messages. So you want to hit it every which way to get them on the phone. And, you know, we recommend our agents actually, you know, we, more and more our agents will, will try text messages as well, jump on Facebook and find the, the buyer on Facebook. And actually our system integrates in with Facebook so you can find, get more details on the person, see, you know, get a picture of them, get more information. And, you know, if you can get them on Facebook, it's, that's your highest probability of actually getting to communicate with them is being able to send them a message on Facebook. And a lot of times people can't answer their phone or sometimes even their email, but they're on Facebook at work and during the day. So, you know, you have a great chance of communicating with them via Facebook and via text. Now, a quick word from our sponsor, Real GTV, real estate agent lead generation television, where top agents reveal exactly how they create consistent flows of home buyer and home seller leads into their practices every month. Need more leads? Hit the pause button right now. Open Google and search Real GTV. That's R E A L G dot TV. Now, back to the show. The reason you're, you're making so much effort to get in touch with them so quickly is because that 80% number, that 80% of the buyers are working with the first agent they actually speak with. Once you do get a hold of them, what kind of follow-up system happens after that? Are you trying to contact that person once a day, once a week, once a month? Yeah, great question. So there's obviously a lot of variables to it, but you know, if, if it's a, a pretty motivated uh, buyer, if we, we call it, consider an A buyer or somebody, you know, looking to to buy a home in the next 30 days or so, I mean, really the agents are, are going to be in communication with that, that person just about every day. If uh, the person's not ready yet, say they're, you know, 60, 90 days, 120 days out, you know, we're talking to them once a week, once every 10 days. And if they're, you know, more than, more than three or four months out, two or three times a month, we look to communicate with them. And that's via actual, you know, the agent's actual communication. On top of that, you know, we have automated drip systems that communicate with the leads consistently. And then, you know, when they come through our system, they're getting our listing alerts and listing updates and a lot of communication automatically as well. And then, you know, we add all the leads into our our blog and all our biweekly newsletters we send out and, and all of our various, you know, touches we can do to, to, to enhance the agent's, the agent's communications. You start talking about this buyer cycle and we got up to the point where they became a lead and started to move forward a little bit. Let's let's touch base on that. What is your goal when you're talking to these people on the phone? Are you trying to get them to meet you in the office or meet you at a property? What's the next step? The goal is almost always, you know, when, they, when it's an online lead, it's almost always getting them into your into our office. And then, you know, because of the wide range we cover sometimes, you know, the office isn't always practical and sometimes it's meeting them at a, a Dunkin' Donuts or Sometimes it is even meeting them at a, at a house, but as much as possible, we, we look to get them into the office right away. So, so that's a, a big a big focus of ours. And then, you know, if it, every lead's different, but online leads that that's the big focus with most of them. For you know, a sign call, you know, we're we're often jumping out there and showing them a house. One of the unique things is a lot of people 
you know, want to push to get your buyers qualified first. And, you know, there's, there's definitely a lot of, a lot of reasons behind that of not just what we call a lot of, you know, coaches and so forth have heard call, call agents who just jump out there and show people homes, pop tart agents, because you just pop out there and show a buyer a house. But what we found is, you know, with, with our agents, you know, a little while back I had a meeting with my agents and said to them, right now are you in a situation where you have more appointments and more buyers than you can handle? Or do you have, you know, do you ha- would you like to be working with more buyers and showing more houses? And, you know, it's actually, it sounds like the obvious answer is obviously they want to work with more clients, but it's actually a legitimate question that, you know, if you really are a busy person and you're trying to pre-screen people and you can't handle all the clients you have, then it probably does make sense to, to pre-approve them and before you ever get out there and show them a house. But what we found is most of my agents want to be out there showing houses. They know that's what's making them money. They know that's, that's, that those are the people they need to meet with. So we've actually changed our philosophy in that anytime a buyer is ready to go look at a house right now, we jump out there and show them the house. Because if they're willing to go out there and look at a home, even if they can't, what, what happens is, you know, in this market, we find over 90% of buyers ultimately can get approved anyway. And the ones who can't, usually it's, it's just small corrections that will need to be made, and, you know, usually they can buy that in two months from now or three months from now or not. But once they go out there, it's kind of like when you go and test drive a car. Once you go out there and you get in that car and you, you see it, you have a much higher chance of, of buying that car and or doing everything that needs to happen to, to get to the point of being able to buy that car than if you just looking at it online. You don't get that same excitement. You don't get pumped up, and they're not, nobody's going to invest that effort. The agent won't either. If the agent sends them over to a lender before they meet with them and finds out they can't get approved right now, the agent's really not going to often, unfortunately, doesn't, doesn't do much with the lead anyway. They kind of just throw it away. But if they go out there and spend time with the person, meet them, learn the person's story, find out what the person's issue is or what needs to happen, the agent's going to be invested now with that person as well. Is going to push harder and, and do the things necessary to get that person to be able to buy. And by making that one little change, we've seen a huge spark in our, in our buyer side transactions because we're jumping out there and getting more people out looking at homes and writing more contracts. Do you have a limit on how many homes you'll show before the buyer gets pre-qualified? We get them pre-qualified the first time we take them out, just about always. So when we meet them out there, you know, then my agents are trained to get them on the phone with the lender right away. So if they're not already qualified once you go out there, we get them on the phone with the lender right then and there, and we get them qualified. And because they're right there with you, it's you know it avoids them later when you you know some some agents I found struggle you know referring to a lender and they say hey here's my lender's name and my phone and phone number you should call them and what happens the buyers never do it so if we get them if we go and call the lender right when we're in the house with them and hand them the phone they're going to talk to the lender give them the information and get qualified right then and there so we don't ever take them out again and again without getting approved but we'll get out there that first time with them and meet them and become that agent that they're going to work with right away. Do you have a requirement that your buyer agents sign a buyer agency agreement with the buyer at some point? Yes. And when does that happen? All my agents get the, the business relationship signed their, pretty much their first time out. And uh, we actually not only do a business relationship, we do a, a, a business a addendum to our business relationship, which adds some additional requirements and some additional details about what we do. And one of the unique things about what we do with, with our buyers is, you know, my, w- most, most agents don't have a system for buyers. They just don't. And you, know, you become just like everybody else. And the more you're just like everybody else, the, you know, the, the, the more you're going to be average and struggle, struggle along. So the more we can differentiate ourselves as the expert and position ourselves very differently, the more success we're going to have. So one of the unique things we do is part of our 47-step our home discovery and acquisition program is what we call our buyer system. 
And it's a process where we walk our buyers through how we're going to help them and positions as the expert. We, we have part of that program is, is what we call our Elite Preferred Buyer Program. And what it is is when a buyer works with us, we give them a number of added benefits for being part of this program. But the unique thing is, is that buyers actually pay us up front $500 to $1,000 to work with us in buying a home before they ever buy a house. When do they put that up? When do they give us the money? Pretty much the first time we meet. And then they pay us again when we go under contract, and then they pay us again on top of the commission at closing. So it's just a very different way of positioning ourselves as the expert and as, as additional value above and beyond anybody else that's out there that when we present it, we present this program as an option to our buyers. They're not required to do it, but they want to do it because they want to take part in all the benefits that we provide to them. You know, my agents get the advantage of it. It gives them the other advantage of why they want to go out there and meet with buyers is because they're getting a check the very next day from us for, from taking that buyer out. You know, I'm paying them the next day or the same day even when they're working with a buyer. And what it does is if a buyer is willing to hand you a check or a credit card for 500 or or 1000 bucks, they're buying a house. And not only are they buying a house, but they're buying a house with you because they invested money with you and they've got skin in the game and, and they're going to move forward. So it's, it's, we've only had one buyer to date. I mean, obviously, we have a number of buyers out there looking right now. We've only ever had one buyer who's entered into our Elite Preferred Buyer Program who chose not to buy a house. They're serious and they're going to be motivated. And it helps keep them motivated once they have the skin in the game. What percentage of the buyers that you present this to actually sign up? Depends on the agent. So the, the agents who are strong at it get well over 90% of the time. The weaker agents, um, you know, it's not, and, and, and I guess to, to, to give us a little bit more details, it's not that very often that the buyer doesn't want it. It's some of the agents just are, get uh, themselves too nervous and, and they stop themselves from getting the money by not asking. So when they ask, We've only had, to, to my knowledge, we've only ever had two people when they've been presented and shown the program who've denied it. Now, some of my agents don't don't present it all the time. They get they get afraid, they get nervous. You know, it's different. It's unique. But, you know, and they, they they walk themselves away from getting that money. Let's move on and talk about another big part of your business, expireds. What's making your expired program work so successfully? Basically, what we do is it's a thirteen. 13 to 14 piece marketing system. So we've really spent some time studying, you know, we've been doing this for a long time. Expired is one of the first things I started doing and really analyzing what gets people to respond, number one, what you need to say to, to get them to respond, how to, how to make the pieces look to, to grab people's attention, and then when to send them. So, you know, we have a, a, it's a our campaign, a, a combination of postcards and letters and unique envelopes. And, you know, there's certain people who will open an envelope who will not look at a postcard. You know, they'll throw the postcard away, but they'll open an envelope and read a letter. And some people, they get the, the letter, they'll toss it, but they'll look at the postcard. You need to you do things that we have unique-looking envelopes that they increase the probability of people opening them. Just we're always, always doing things that, that, that will increase that, that conversion rate. But 13 different pieces, we hit them a little bit more frequently in the first you know, week, obviously, we hit them the hardest. And then, you know, a little bit, uh, we spread it out a little bit more over the first two to three, four weeks. And then we continue to hit them over the over the first four months that they're they're expired off the market, and uh, by doing so, I mean we, it's been pretty big for us. And I don't have my 2011 numbers in front of me right now, but I was just just talking to somebody else about this a little bit ago. I know my 2010 numbers were spent about $34,000 running on my expire program, and we brought in $251,000 in commission. So 
it's it's a pretty good return on investment, and uh, um, they're they're great people. When they when you hit them with you know ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen marketing pieces, when they call us, they're usually lay down listings because they say, man, if you're this aggressive at marketing to us, you're you're the agent we want. You're going to be aggressive in selling our home, and it's it's a very small percentage of the people calls off our letters that don't list with us. We don't get a ton of phone calls. We might get fifteen to twenty leads in a month. But then we get 12 to 15 listings, so it's very, very effective when the people we do get are, are going to list for those. And we already know that they're, the people have already raised their hands and said, "I want to sell my house, and I'm willing to pay a real estate commission." And uh, we do really well with it. How many people are you targeting each month in order to generate the 15 to 20 leads? Are you sending that out to 100 people, or how many people does it take to get those leads? Well, let me do a quick, quick math on average. So. We're at about about 350 people a month. Are those new or are those just the people that are on average in your system? Uh, 350 new per month. So it's about 5% or so are falling out the bottom as leads, and most of those people are signing up. Uh, yeah, well, the 350 people are mailing to, we're getting you know, 15 to 20 leads. Yeah, yeah about, that, about 5% of people are, are, are responding. If you break it down per marketing piece, you know it's 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 about a half a percent per marketing piece response, which is probably around industry norm per piece. But it's 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 putting it together as a system that gets those you know the five percent conversion rate, which for direct mail in this in this state, I mean five six years ago would have been a lot higher, but right now with, with how things have changed, direct that's, that's pretty pretty good for for direct mail. And like like everything we do, we look at it as the, the bottom line return. And, you know, if we can spend three grand a month and, and bring in twenty, you know, we're we're good with it. Is the entire program direct mail? Do you make any phone calls or door knocking or anything else, or is it just mail? The program we're talking about is is only mail. The results we're talking about is only mail. My inside salesperson does call expirants. He doesn't do it effectively enough, only because it's always a bad excuse. But only because we generate. He's so busy converting the people contacting us that he often doesn't have enough time to do outgoing, you know, cold calling, if you want to call it. And then some of my agents do go out and door knock as well. They don't do it consistently enough, but when they do it, it's effective. As an example, we all went out together. There was about 10 of us went out on January 2nd, the day after the new year, which is the biggest day for expired to the year. And we listed 14 homes from that day of door knocking. So after that day, a number of them went out a few more times and had success and listed more homes from it, but then they get really busy and they get swamped and, they don't, they don't do it enough. But it, door knocking is absolutely the most effective form of prospecting you can do, period, still to this day. In these expired pieces that you're mailing out, what are you saying that is relating so well with these sellers that it's causing them to call you and sign up? It's very similar to our radio and everything else. And that The number one theme behind everything is our guaranteed sale. So we talk about our guaranteed sale a lot. We talk about our success a lot. And you know, regardless of how successful you are, there's always a way you can position you know certain statistics that that you're doing as successful. Maybe you maybe you only sold 10 homes last year, but those 10 homes you sold, it took you half as long as the average agent. Or you know, you sold them, you you had some foreclosures you sold that you had bidding wars, and your average sale price was over 100%. Or whatever it is, you know, you can always position it in a strong way. For us, it's it's pretty easy because of our success. So. You know, we market that we're the number one real estate team in the state. We've sold, you know, 400 homes here in the past year. Our average time to sell a home is 37 days. Basically, we're just 
showing these people. You got to remember, they're expired. They haven't sold. Their homes been on the market six months or a year or two years. So their thought is that nobody's selling anything. Homes can't sell. The market's so bad, and we can go and send them test. You know, we send them testimonials from our clients, evidence of success, as we call it, and we can put out statistics and show them that look, you know, we're having success in this market. And then second, that we that we guarantee that we're going to have success in selling your home. It's it's pretty appealing and pretty attractive for them to want to find out more and figure out how it works. You've mentioned the guaranteed sell program multiple times. Tell me about your guaranteed sell program. What does it mean and how does it work? Something I've been doing for a long time. It's not a not a new concept as far as you know real estate marketing goes. You know, Craig Proctor I think is you know actually Dan Kennedy is the originator of it, but uh, Craig Proctor made it pretty popular quite a few years back. And uh, what it is is a unique selling proposition. It's uh, it's a way to, to make your marketing and you stand out and get the phone to ring is, is the primary focus behind uh, it initially. So what we do is we market your home sold in 68 days or we'll buy it. And then we also market on all of our properties for sale, trade to this home, and we will buy yours, which brings us in a lot of leads and a lot of phone calls as well. So the, the short behind our program is, you know, if we don't sell a home, we'll buy it. You can set your own qualifications, and we've seen you know many qualifications in many different ways. People have done it. I've seen people set it up that you know they're guaranteeing the, to buy the home at 70% of the value, so there's very little risk. Or I've seen you know people set their rules very strict, and that you know they'll only buy homes up to $150,000, and they only buy single-family homes, and you know whatever the case is. The the main focus is to get that phone to ring, get an opportunity to sit down in front of the person. And we do make ours you know, uh, a little bit, we try to, I try to make mine set up that nobody's ever going to feel it's a scam or a catch or be dissatisfied with it once they get the details. And I want it to be a position that when we sit down with them and show them the details of the program, that they're going to look at it and say, wow, that's incredible, that's amazing, and, and make them want to do business with us, not get, get to the point and say, man, you, that is just a big scam, you're not buying my home for what I want be upset, which is what I've found agents around the country struggle with. So, you know, ours is actually, we set up at 90 to 95% of market value, but, you know, we, we, you can do a happy life. And uh, it, it's been, been huge for us, and it's a big big reason we generate, you know, I, I say if we took out our guaranteed sale program, we right now we're managing around 420 listings. We probably have 100, 150 at most. Uh, that's how effective it is and how much more business it brings us in on everything we do. You're guaranteeing a pretty high percent, 90, 95% farm market value. How are you preventing yourself from buying all the homes? Well, you have to know know your market. You have to know how to price the home, and you have to, to set it up with what you're comfortable with. So there's a lot of different ways, again, you can do it. And, you know, we could, because of time, we could, we could spend quite a few hours on, on the guaranteed sale. And, you know, I've, tra- I've done many trainings for agents around the country on the guaranteed sale, and it typically takes, you know, a good eight to ten solid hours of, of training to really dive into all the ins and outs of the guaranteed sale. But I've seen agents who set it up at a 10% commission. So you got 10% playroom with your commission to be able to, to, to A, you know, drop the price lower because you can always drop your commission, but B, you know, agents put a really high commission because they know not that many people want to choose the program if they have to pay such a high commission. So you can do it a lot of different ways. You know, we're, we're okay with it. Where we set ours up, I mean, we do run into situations where we've had to buy homes very seldom, and we only buy a home if we want to buy it ultimately. But, you know, the few that I have bought have been some of the best things I've ever done because they, they serve as such phenomenal testimonials then for us and legitimize the program. 
But, you know, a lot, a lot of different ways you can structure, but you have to do what you're comfortable with. You mentioned earlier that you have a short sale department or a company. Yeah. Yeah, I have a whole company. It's called Illumination Real Estate Solutions. The website's handlemyshortsale.com. And, yeah, we, we have a team of negotiators and processors, and uh, we're right now negotiating somewhere around 200 short sales for ourselves and for, for other agents. And uh, we built out a, a system that, that's worked very well for us. You know, we run towards short sales rather than away from them. We make more money on short sales than on traditional sales, and a higher percentage of them sell. We're uh, in the neighborhood of 95 to 96% of our short sales go to settlement. And there's no way possible, unless you're in one of the few lucky markets, I think, around the country, that 95 to 96% of, of retail listings are going to sell. You know, it's just not possible. My market, two out of three homes listed by the average agent expire. So, you know, only a third of homes are selling, but we're getting 96% of our short sales to go to closing. So it's been phenomenal for us, and, and uh, we absolutely love them. You said you're getting paid more for your short sales. How does that work? It's different for everybody across the board. You know, I own a negotiation company, so the way our negotiation company gets paid is from the bank. So as an example, when we do short sales for other agents, they, they keep their entire commission. So if I was another agent, not, not myself, say, example, I was doing a short sale for, you know, I was doing Curtis a short sale as an example. You know, he's going to get, typically we get 6% approved by the bank, sometimes even 7 So it's up to the agent what they want to do, but often the agents only offer out a 2% co-op commission because of the short sale. It's going to sell no matter what. It doesn't really matter what commission you offer. And, and my opinion sort of on it is that, if the agent doesn't want to show it, good, because then the buyers will call my team and my agents will show it, and we get to double-side the deal. So because if they want more commission on the short sale, they can get it from their buyer. They can you know, set it up however they like, but we typically only offer out 2%. So when we get 6% approved, we're getting a 4% commission. And then on top of that, you know, we, as the short sale negotiation company, here in the short sale, you know, we, we, we get paid by the, the bank as well for doing the short sale. And then we have a way where we get paid, the seller actually pays us as well for, for handling the short sale up front. And, you know, the, when we do short sales for other agents, they actually share in that money as well, where they actually get paid up front for doing short sales, which, again, the conversation that would be too long to really dive into all the ins and outs of that today, but it's, uh, it works out really, really, really well for the seller, for the buyer, for, for the agents. And, it's, and that's the great thing with short sales is that they're a win for everybody, and they're a win for the market and uh, as well. They're a win for the bank. They're, they're, just, they're just great for, for everybody involved, and if they're done right, they can be very effective. When an agent goes to Illumination Solutions and uses your services, who is paying for your service? Does the agent pay for the service? Is that a flat fee or a percent? That's a great question. You know, most, when I got started, you know, I, I hired some of the other short sales negotiation companies in the beginning, and most of them took a third of the commission. So it was, you know, 6% commission, so listing agents getting two, the buyer agents getting two, and the short-term negotiation companies getting two. Uh, with us, we don't take anything from the agent. So they said, you know, listing agent refers to the short sale, they're going to make 4% commission. If they want to give out 25 they make 35 but they're going to make them 35 4% commission, and we don't take anything from it. Primarily the way we get paid is, essentially, it's, it's paid by the bank, but what we do is we charge a, a 3% fee, for doing the short sale, and uh, that fee is, is sort of paid by the buyer, but the buyer is able to offset that fee because we get the bank to cover the transfer tax and the title insurance and, 
and a couple other things as well so that the buyer doesn't have to cover. So every part of the country is different, but in my market, transfer tax and title insurance is 2% of the sale price. So if I can get, you know, essentially if I can get 2 or 3% of the, the buyer's closing cost covered by the bank, the buyer's paying the fee, but they're not paying the fee. So it's, it's kind of a detailed conversation, but it works out really well where when the buyer understands it, the buyer doesn't mind. They know they're going to get a steal on a house and ultimately not pay any additional money out of their pocket. The agents love it that they're not giving up their commission to have the, the short sale professionally negotiated. The seller loves it because they're going to get it approved. This isn't going to go to foreclosure. It's going to happen faster. And then we have a, a law firm who's on retainer with us who, who provides additional services to the sellers as well. The seller then needs to do bankruptcy. We need to do additional services to avoid foreclosure or anything like that. They need a consultation. They need somebody to, to help them with their court hearing. You know, our attorneys handle it for our sellers at no cost um, because we have them on retainer. So it's, uh, it's, it's pretty cool as, as, as everybody wins. You have your fingers in a lot of pies. You're running a lot of different businesses. What kind of businesses are you running? You know, I have two main main focuses, and that's my, my real estate team, DLP Realty, and then uh, my the company I mentioned briefly, Prodigy Solutions, which is our you know technology and and training company. And what you know, to give it a brief, you know, basically what that company's focused on is solving the seven problems real estate agents face. But the great thing about it is, even though it is a separate entity is it's really just an extension of my real estate team because what I, what I, everything that I do in Prodigy is, is things that I've built not for the purpose of selling other agents or anything. When I built this technology and we built our training and everything we do, it was built to be used in our teams because there was, wasn't a technology and a system out there that was able to do the things we wanted. So we went out and built it. And, you know, we have a team of programmers and graphic artists and all these people that we hired to, to be able to get, do the things we need to be able to do in our teams. And we basically just allow other agents to get access to that. You know, they get access to, to jump on the trainings that Curtis and I were already doing for our teams. Now they get to jump in and, and get access to exactly what our agents see and, and get access to all of our systems and all the things we already have built and developed for, for ourselves. We're just basically giving that access to, to other like-minded agents around the country. So they go hand-in-hand hand together. Um, but the other things I do is I do, do, flip, uh, I do a lot of, again, we try to be, be able to cover all the bases in real estate. So, you know, we, we do run into, because of the way we, some of our marketing and just because of our, our branding in our market, a lot of great investment opportunities. So I actually do some home flipping as well. And then I own a, a, an AET security dealership and a restaurant and a couple other little things. So, yeah, I have my hands a number of things, but that comes from having leverage. So I've been able to get my real estate team running at a, I'd say a six and a half. If you ever read Gary Keller's, you know, seven levels of a real estate team, you know, I, I have it leveraged at a six and a half to a seven where it can run with or without me in it on a day-to-day basis. And, and I've really spent time hiring the right key people who, who know what they're doing, who can handle situations, and who can leverage me to be able to do all the things that, uh, that, that, that I want to be able to do. If somebody wanted to learn more about, say, Prodigy Solutions, where would they do that? Um, yeah, they can they can jump on. I think the easiest place to go they can go to positioning four the numerical four profits dot com positioning numerical four profits dot com. You can also go to our homepage of our website myprodigysolutions.com, dot com. But the first one's the best thing to go to, and it gives a lot of outline. And they can actually jump on. We do three or four webinars a week that you know they're free. They can jump on and kind of learn a little bit more about it if you like. Don, you've done a lot. What drives you? Early on, it was, you know, uh, not to, to go into any of the 
this coming from nothing type of stories, but you know, early on I moved out of my house at 17 years old while I was still in high school and had to support myself in my senior year of high school and through college. So kind of built that work ethic because at that point it was a, you know, it was sort of survival. It was, Hey, you know, not that I, you know, you ever was in a situation not being able to eat type of thing, but it was, Hey, I'm never going to, I can't ever fail. And I don't want to, it was failure was what feared me of ever having to go back to my parents and ask for money or go back and have to live with them again or everybody would have to come to a situation where I say, hey, I couldn't do this on my own. I couldn't hack it. I failed. I wasn't able to do it. So and that's what drove me through, you know, college and, and and through early parts of things. And then getting into real estate in the beginning, you know, you know, I had a lot of success, but, you know, it was that, that drive when I got in, you know, one of the first things that happened, I went to, I went, was working at a Keller Williams office is the first place I went to. And when I met with the team leader of that office, you know, he said to me, well, what's your, your goal? And I said, well, by the end of this year, by the end of next year, and I'm sitting with him in like November of 2006, I said, by the end of next year, I'm going to be the number one agent in this office. And the Keller Williams office was the biggest office in my market. There was about 120 agents in it, 130 agents. And he just started laughing at me and said, that's impossible. You, you know, it's going to take years. You have to earn your knocks. It takes time. You know, we have some superstar agents in here and just basically laughed me out of the office. So that was a, a big motivator for me when somebody told me I couldn't do something. So yeah, so it took me about six months to be the top agent in that office, and it took me about eleven months to be the top agent in my market. You know, that was that was one of the biggest moments that kind of started driving driving me to, to succeed. And then you know, now it's just the point where you know it's 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 the challenge and uh, you know uh, of of growing and improving yourself and 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 of making progress and, and achieving more and more and more. If you were to advise a brand new agent just getting in the business, what would you tell them to do first? As a brand new agent getting in the business, um, I would I would go to the basics and and they work and they work really well. So uh, I'm going to get not to go into too many stories, but you know before real estate, I, I did ADT security. What I did with ADT security, I was 19 years old and um, the guy hired me and he said you know he gave me a few leads to go close sales and so I went out and closed a few sales for him and I said to him I said all right what should I do now. And he said, well, you could go, I guess, knock on some doors if you want. And I said, all right, what do I say? He said, I'll go tell him that you're a local ADT guy and you can get him a great deal on security system, something like that, something very basic. And I said, all right. So I just went out there and started knocking on doors, knocking on doors, knocking on doors, knocking on doors. And by the end of that week, I had 11 sales. And at the time, I didn't know that that was good or bad or indifferent. And what I found out was it took me about 10 weeks, and I was the number one sales rep in the country for ADT out of like 50,000 sales reps. And I did nothing but the basics. I knocked on doors, and then I followed up. So when I knocked on the door, my goal was to get in there and sell them now. If I couldn't sell them now, get their phone number and follow up with them so I could close them. And it worked really, really well. And that's what I did early on in real estate, and I've had a number of agents over the years who've done that really effectively. If you just go out there, you know, real estate's the easiest industry in the world because we have two large sources of business that put their sign in their yard with their phone number and raise their hand and say, hey, I want to sell my house and call me. You know, you just go out there and work expires and FISBOs or just even just general door knocking a neighborhood. Not, I'm not talking just putting flyers on the doors, going out there and knocking on people's doors, communicating with them, and then most importantly, following up. You'll have huge success and, and, and you can make a lot of money. And then, of course, you know, prospecting, cold calling. So Red X is a great program uh, to pull all the expired phone numbers. I think it's like 50 bucks a month. You can get all the phone numbers for the expires in your market. Knock them when you can. If you can't knock them or you can't, you know, they're not home call them. And you do that, you, you have a lot, a lot of success early on. It'll get your cash flow going to add in the marketing and do some of the fun stuff and grow your business. But to get money going early on, that's exactly what I would do. Don, is there anything else you'd like to say we haven't talked about? 
don't know if you put the information out, but I'll throw my email address out. It's don at dlprealty.com. You know, uh, if you shoot me an email with any any questions, you know, within a day or two, uh, I'll get back to you and answer any questions you have. Calling is is, is hard to get to, to be able to call me, but if you shoot me an email, I'd be happy to answer anybody's questions. You know, I wish everybody the best of luck, and you know, you don't have to just survive in this market. You can grow, you can prosper, and uh, and, and make a lot of money. Well, Don, you've proved that you can grow and prosper in a declining market. Your focus and determination are epic. You've built a self-propelling business by mastering leverage through marketing, people, and technology. You quickly learned and implemented the top agent success models. You are an inspiration to all aspiring agents. Thank you again for being our top agent of the month. If you like the show and want to know when the next one's coming out, click the subscribe button on iTunes or Stitcher. And if you want to hear more episodes like this, give the show a five-star review and write a quick comment. I read them all, and it motivates me to keep going and share the top agent success stories with you. Thanks. If you're looking for more ways to generate leads, check out our sponsor, Real GTV real estate agent lead generation television and their giant database library of video trainings where top agents reveal demonstrate and discuss their best lead generation methods visit realgtv r-e-a-l-g dot tv if you're low on funds or just want to get the maximum leverage check out my master class webinar titled top five free lead sources for real estate agents learn more at freeleadtime.com That's freeleadtime.com. Oh, and if you have a real estate friend who needs some inspiration, tell them about the Success Calls podcast. And don't you forget to subscribe right now to hear all the great top agent ideas. Keep moving forward. You've been listening to the Mastermind Agent Interview of the Month Club, where top agents, rising agents, team members, and guests from across North America reveal their success secrets, strategies, and systems in up-close and personal interviews. You can find all the club interviews at www.mastermindagent.com.